But I hope that we never forget that there's people not only across the sea that need Jesus Christ, but right across the street. Virtually, I know it's a little bit different than what we had scheduled to, to um, have planned out to, to be a part of, but I am thankful for the opportunity to uh, come come by you through a screen. And so thank you so much for the opportunity. And uh, my name is Greg Fryer. We are heading to New Zealand, my wife Becca and I. Uh, I've been married for six years, and uh, we're going to be, uh, Lord willing, hoping to be to New Zealand next year. And uh, currently they have the borders closed, so that has kind of thrown a little wrench in the plans uh, for, for our travel over there. So pray that the borders open up and that uh, we can get over to New Zealand as quick as possible. Uh, it is a joy again to be with you uh, in the best way that we can. And so we wish you could be there. My, my daughter and my wife, uh, they say hello as well. My daughter is only 15 months old, so I guess she kind of... Uh, cries hello at this point, but uh, nonetheless, uh, we're thankful for, for technology and being able to uh, come to you through a screen. If you have a Bibles this evening, turn to John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8, and uh, this is uh, one of my favorite passages of Scripture because I think that if we're honest with ourselves, we, we could be here. This could be us, uh, just in a in a, in a dicey situation, uh, in a situation that is not uh, conducive to what we probably want it to go to. And so we're thankful for God's grace in our lives if you're saved, but I believe that without that grace and, and maybe one or two bad decisions, uh, we could be right here but for the grace of God. And so John chapter number 8, and we'll start in verse number two this morning. And it says, And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I like to preach a message entitled, The Message in Silence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your love to us. I thank you, God, for allowing us to 
Uh, Lord, just have the capability to come to you and, Lord, uh, open up your word and, and see what it has for us. And, Lord, I pray that, Lord, although we can't be together right now, Lord, that you would use your word in a mighty way to, uh, Lord, perhaps touch and, and convict and maybe even challenge, Lord, uh, the souls that are listening. We pray these things in your name. Amen. When I began dating my wife, uh, one of the things I realized right away is that she was the one I was going to marry. Uh, without, without question, really just within a few months, I knew that she was the one. And so uh, I kind of began to, to take the next steps, if you will, in the relationship timeline. Uh, we hadn't even said that famous three-word phrase yet, I love you. We, have, we hadn't said that. And, and I was at the point where I figured, you know what, I, I'm at this stage of my life. You know, she's, she's a great girl. This is awesome. Um, she's the one. And so I kind of began preparing on how I could, how I could make that, that moment in time when I told her that I love her, how could I make that special? How could that just really knock her socks off? How could that just truly uh, be a memorable situation for her? And so I began to devise plans and situations, and every, every time it, it, it seemed to, to get to the point where I was about to tell her I loved her, something were, would happen. Uh, we, were, we were long distance, and so she was, she was in California, I grew up in Ohio, and so you know, there's a time difference there, right? So, so every time I, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting ready to say it, you know, I'm getting ready to, to drop that bomb on her, and, and next thing you know, it's, you know it's, it's late my time, it's somewhat early her time, so she's just getting off of work talking to me, and, and next thing you know, I'm about to say it, and I wake up to the dial tone the following morning, and my, and my phone on my ear was slobbered, just pulling, pouring out of my mouth because I'd fallen asleep. It is, things like that seemed to happen. Um, it just seemed to kind of be the norm. Uh, there would be times where it was the perfect moment and yet that moment was thwarted by, by, by a, a circumstance that arose. And so flash forward probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, I'd probably say four months down the road. And uh, we're, I was actually heading to New Zealand, my very first trip to New Zealand. And I had found after doing some research that flying out of Los Angeles was a lot cheaper than flying from Ohio where I, where I lived. And so I had, I had kind of thought about how I could make this work, and so I, I ended up finding a, a, a cheap ticket from Ohio to Los Angeles, and then ended up buying a, a, another ticket from Los Angeles to New Zealand. Well, the good part about that was is that that second ticket from Los Angeles to New Zealand was a couple days after I arrived from Ohio to Los Angeles. And so... I thought, man, this will be great. I'll be able to fly out there, spend a couple days with Becca, get to you know, spend some time with her and just you know, be with her. We were long distance, so that'd be a good time. And, and so I thought, man, I'll fly out to Los Angeles. I'll visit her. We'll get to spend a couple days together. Then I'll go to New Zealand, and, and you know, we'll be on our way. And so I did that. Everything worked out great. I flew out to Los Angeles, spent a couple days with Becca, uh, got to uh, do some fun things together, and and then the day finally came where I was going to, to drive down to LAX and fly from LAX to New Zealand. And so it worked out to where she was able to, to drive me down. And, and so we're going down the, the highway there in Southern California. And, 
man, everything is going well. Everything's, you know, it was a great couple days. And, and as I'm driving down the road, I have this, this epiphany, if you will, this, this moment in time just comes into my brain. And it was almost as if someone was speaking to me and, and that voice was saying, this is it. Tell her you love her before you get on the plane. It'll be great. You know, you're, you're going around the world. Who knows if you're going to have Wi-Fi, you know, to even talk with her. Who knows if you're going to even be able to, you know, get on the same time frame with, with the time zone difference. It'll be great. You'll be able to, you know, kind of just leave her with one lasting just explosion, right? It'll just blow her mind. So, so this, is, this, is, this is when you've got to do it. And so at this point, you know, now I'm starting to get nervous. I, to me, that sounded like a great idea. And so, you know, now we're driving down the highway there. We're about, I don't know, a half hour out. My, my, my heart's racing. I'm getting the butterflies in my stomach. And, you know, things are starting to kind of really pick up steam here. And so we get to the gate. And, and uh, sure enough, there, we, we, we get to LAX and those sliding glass doors open. And, and right there it is. Boom. Air New Zealand, right? So there's my, there's my uh, airline. That's the gate I got to go to to check my bags in. You know, this is it. This is the moment. And so I, I walk through those sliding glass doors. She's walking there uh, beside me. I got my luggage on each hand, you know, and I'm wheeling it in. And I, I, I got up to the gate and basically kind of just turned around to her, kind of set my luggage off to the side and, and, and turned around. And as I turned around, I gave her this, this great big hug. And as I was hugging her, I said to her in her ear, that three-word phrase, I love you. Now, at that moment, I was thinking, and perhaps you're thinking right now, that the heavens would have opened up, light began to shine down, uh, the hallelujah chorus was playing, uh, there, was, there was doves flapping around us, and... and People were stopping right there in their tracks as they're walking through the Los Angeles International Airport, watching this moment in time take place. The, the, the world is coming to a stop on its axis right there in Los Angeles, California, as I'm telling this girl that I love her. But, to my surprise, I heard nothing. I heard nothing in return. In fact, after about, I don't know, five or ten seconds after saying that, I began to feel my shoulder getting wet. Is that it is now dawning on me that this, this, this girl is crying on my shoulder. And at that moment, it's becoming awkward, it's becoming weird. You know, I, I, I thought this was the perfect time, the perfect moment, and now she's crying, she's not even answering me. And so at this point, you know, I, I kind of just back off from the hug, I, I, I grab my luggage, I, I shamefully, with my head down, walk to my gate, you know, just dragging my luggage behind. This is, this is embarrassing. This is terrible. This is not how it's supposed to go. So I, I finally, you know, check my bags in and actually walk to my gate where I'm supposed to be, you know, sitting until I fly out. And if you've ever flown any international uh, flights, you understand you have to be there like five and a half days early. So now you have to, you know, I have all this time to sit and wait and think about what just happened. This girl's never going to talk to me again. I, I'm never going to get married. I'm going to be single the rest of my life. I'm never going into ministry. I'm a loser. You know, all this stuff is just flooding my mind. And finally, I decided to tell myself, just stop. J just stop. 
I stop talking, thinking like this. You know, it is what it is. Just, you're going to go crazy if you keep thinking about this. And I had this moment. I had this moment in my mind where, where it just kind of, it just kind of gave me some peace. And that moment was this. No matter if I ever talk to Becca again, if, if, she never, if she never texts me back, if I never see her again, if I fly back into Los Angeles and never see her again, one thing's for sure. She now knows how I feel about her. There's, there's no way that she can get back in that van, drive an hour and a half north again, back home, wondering, huh, I wonder if Greg loves me or not. There, there's no way she has that thought. Why? Because I told her. I, I, I put everything out there. I told her how I felt. I showed her. I, you know, I, 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 I made myself vulnerable. I told her. And no matter what she thought, I left no doubt in her mind how I felt about her. And I believe today, in our passage of Scripture, we find three ways that Christ shows us, and really the world, how he feels about you and I. And folks, this... This passage of scripture is far more important than a boy in love telling his girlfriend he loves her. Uh, a father telling his child he loves her. And by the way, a spoiler alert, Becca did text me back. Everything's fine. We're, we're married. You know, we have a beautiful daughter. Everything's great. But folks, what's found in this passage of scripture today is really what the world needs to hear. What all of society needs to hear. And I believe it's the first way that he shows us this is, is the fact that he knows you inwardly ought to leave no doubt how he feels about you. You see, if you notice in verse number two of our passage today, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the peoples came unto him and sat down and taught them. And in verse 3 it says, And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, whom, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. I like to kind of take my mind to this scene. If you, if you can kind of get there with me, there's, there's this, this you know, morning time uh, teaching going on here with Jesus Christ. He's, he's there, he's, he's engaged with these people, he's, he's teaching them, he's, he's in the, you know, the temple, which is a, a highly revered place, and he's, he's there, and he's, he's giving his energy to these people, and he's sharing out teachings, and he's pouring out things that could potentially change their life if they accept it. And all of a sudden, these scribes and Pharisees bring unto him this woman, who's taken in adultery. And as this woman is taken in adultery, we find that, that throughout all of this, the scribes and the Pharisees are trying to, to in a sense, trip up Jesus. 
And so they're there, they bring this, this woman, and they, and they tell her, or they tell Jesus Christ, hey, Jesus, we found this woman, she's caught in the very act, she's red-handed, there's, there's no way out of this, she's, she's busted, we caught her, you know, we're, we're here, and, and we're, we're bringing her before you, what should we do about it? And it's amazing that Jesus Christ is even on the scene. I can't imagine what the, what the woman is going through as she's there and she's, she's no doubt fearful. She's, she's nervous. She's, not wondering what, or she's wondering what's going to happen, not knowing what, what the next uh, judgment is going to be. She's there. She's nervous. She's probably scared. She's wondering if she's even lived her last day. But folks, it's amazing that Jesus Christ decides to even leave the teaching in the temple. Why would Jesus Christ even, even engage himself in this situation? In fact, the Bible says in verse 5 that, that the law kind of gave the protocol on how to handle a situation like this. So, so why wouldn't Jesus just say, hey, guys, I, I'm busy. You know, can, can't you see I'm doing something here? I'm, I'm teaching these people. You know, go read the law. You know what to do. You know, you're a scribe. You're a Pharisee. You understand the law. Just, just go handle it. I'm busy. Well, why, did he, why did he involve himself in the situation? Well, folks, the Jesus Christ, that woman was a soul. That woman was someone that he would eventually die for. That woman is somebody that he would go to the cross and, and, and face the penalty of sin and, and face the penalty of, of death. And folks, I'm here to tell you that knowing all of that, Knowing that this woman was caught in adultery, knowing what these scribes and Pharisees were trying to do, knowing what they were, they were trying to, to trip him up, knowing they were, they were trying to condemn this woman, in the midst of all that, Jesus Christ involved himself in this situation. And I'm here to tell you today, folks, that quite frankly, we're no different. You see, the Bible says that all of sin had come short of the glory of God. That there's none righteous, no, not one. That our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. What's amazing, in that, in that verse, the Bible says, but who can know it? In the very next verse, the Bible says, I, the Lord, trieth the hearts. You see, you know who knows you and I even better than you and I, ourselves, it's Jesus Christ. And knowing that we are wicked, awful, sinful human beings that fail him on a day-to-day -day basis, in the midst of all that, knowing all that, Jesus Christ left heaven and dwelt among sinful, wicked Mankind to go to the cross and die for you and I. Folks, the fact that he, that he did that ought to leave no doubt how it feels about you. The fact that he knows you inwardly, knowing who you are, knowing your shortcomings, and yet still left heaven 
to die for you and I ought to be an incredible comfort, ought to be an incredible joy, and ought to leave no doubt how he feels about you. Secondly, the fact that he defends you outwardly ought to leave no doubt how he feels about you. If you notice in verse number 6, it says this, so they, they, they ask him, Jesus, what should we do? Should we, should we stone this woman or should we not? And in, in verse number 6, it says, This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. I want you again to notice verse number 7. You find something very interesting here. It says, so when they, the next word there is continued. So we find here, we, the, the, the word in the Bible uses that word continued there. Obviously, a period of time has gone by. If something, if something is continuing or if something continues on, it's, it's understood that whatever that thing is, it's, it's taking place for a period of time. Now, we don't know how long you know, th- this, this moment was happening, but we understand this. That these scribes and Pharisees had to continue asking Jesus Christ. It wasn't as if they just said, hey, Jesus, should we stone her or should we not? Well, why would they have to continue asking? Well, we find in verse 6... That he's, he's down on the ground and he's writing on the ground with his finger. And so when they, they ask him, he obviously doesn't give an answer. He's kind of silent on the matter. So they have to continue asking him, Hey, Jesus, do you hear us? You know, Jesus, can you, can you hear? We're asking you a question. Should we stone her or should we not? And Jesus is just simply writing on the ground. And so finally in verse 7, it's almost as if, Jesus Christ kind of has enough of it, and he, and, he, and he stands up and he says this, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone on her. And then he goes back down to riding on the ground again. Now, I don't know about you, but, man, if I'm a scribe that day or a Pharisee that day, and, and I'm asking Jesus Christ, should I, should I stone this woman, or should we stone this woman, or should we not? And he responds with, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone on her. I'm a little confused. I'm simply wanting a yes or no response. I, I, I think that I have Jesus Christ tricked and duped into this question here, so I'm hoping for a yes or no in Jesus Christ and his omniscience. By the way, he knew what they were trying to do. He knew that he, they were trying to trick him. It says this, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. So it's almost as if, wait a minute, what? wait, what? That's not yes or no, Jesus. What's going on here? So, so what's happening? What's taking place in this passage of Scripture? Well, folks, I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ is defending this woman. Now, he's not defending her, her, her sin. He's not saying that what she did, that the, the act of adultery is okay. We find out in verse number 11 that he tells her to go and sin no more. So we understand that, that what she did is wrong. He's not defending the, the act of the sin. But instead, he's defending who this person is, who this woman is. He's trying to get these these men to see, listen guys, you're no different than she is. You're a sinner just like she is. You're, you're, You're no better than her. Yes, you might not have this charge to your account, but listen, 
You are a sinner. And folks, you and I are sinners, and yet we find in Revelation chapter number 12, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Revelation chapter number 12 and verse number 10, it says this, And I had heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation, and the strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. Now notice this, For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Folks, you know what Satan is doing right now before the throne of God? He's casting all of our faults, all of our sin, all of our mess-ups before God himself. And if you're saved today, the God of heaven is looking down and saying, you know what? I, I don't see this. All these things you're throwing at me, Satan, all these things that, that you're trying to condemn my child of, you know what? I don't see them. In fact, I see the blood of Jesus Christ. I see the righteousness of my son. And I see that transgression removed as far as east is from the west. And I remember it no more. And folks, that ought to be the blessing. That ought to be an encouragement. That ought to be motivation to serve Jesus Christ wholly. Why? Because he defends you before the ultimate accuser. Satan himself. It's incredible how many times we fail him, how many times we come short, and yet he defends us. Folks, the fact that he knows you inwardly and the fact that he defends you outwardly ought to leave no doubt how he feels about you. And then thirdly and lastly today, the fact that he forgives you immediately ought to leave no doubt how he feels about you. We find in, in verse number 9 that these, these men are, are convicted by their own conscience. Jesus Christ never even answered their question. Never even, never even gave them what they wanted. And they walk away convicted by their own conscience. And we find in verse 10... That Jesus stands up and he looks around and it's simply him and the woman. And he proposes two questions to her. He says this, woman, where are thine accusers? Question number one. Question number two, hath no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. I noticed this. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Folks, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, chose to forgive that day. And by the way, if, if you go back to verse number 7, who is the one person that could have fit the mold of who Jesus described in verse number 7. The one person. Who was the one person that, that was without sin that day that could have cast the first stone? And you, can, you, can, you can list Jesus. You can list uh, the woman caught in adultery. You can list the scribes, the Pharisees, if you want. You can even bring in uh, those that were in the temple. Out of all of those groups of people, who was the one person that could have cast the first stone because he or she was without sin? Well, folks... I'm here to tell you, it was Jesus Christ. The one that could have cast the first stone because he was sinless. 
chose to forgive. And folks, I'm here to tell you the fact that he forgives you immediately when you come to him and you confess and you share your shortcomings to him and you turn from those and he forgives you, folks, I'm here to tell you that ought to leave no doubt how it feels about you. And by the way, if you're a Christian today, learn to forgive. Learn to show some grace. Tomorrow morning when you wake up and, and you head into work and you find out your coworker, you know, went behind your back and, and told the boss and, 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 and made something up about you, hey, forgive. That friend that you thought was just always by your side would never leave you, that one, one day turns her back on you or turns his back on you, learn to forgive. Where would you be without the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? You say, great, that's a wonderful sermon. That's great. I, 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 I agree with all these things. I, I understand it, but what's the take home here? Well, folks, I'm here to tell you today that there's people just like this woman all around us. It might not be that they're caught in adultery. It might not be that they're having this specific uh, charge to their account. But folks, they're broken. They're hopeless. They're scared of what's going to happen next. You know, I, obviously, uh, through the emails and through just the, the times of just trying to reschedule my family to come up and be with you folks, it's obvious that, that you're a mission-minded church. And that's wonderful, praise God for. I believe it's the heartbeat of God. I really do. But I hope that we never forget that there's people not only across the sea that need Jesus Christ, but right across the street. And folks, I'm here to tell you that they're right there in Surrey. They're right up the road in Vancouver. They're, they're right here where I'm at in southern Nevada recording this sermon. They're everywhere. And unless we get extremely loud about this message of silence that Jesus Christ never even had to say a word about, just showed his love, showed his mercy, showed his grace, they'll die hopeless and they'll die broken. May God help us to be diligent and be active about getting out the message found in silence. John chapter 1 says this as I close. One of the most powerful verses I believe in all the Bible. John chapter 1 and verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. If you're thankful for that today, and if you've experienced that grace and truth, tell someone else about it. You'll be happy that you did. When the time comes for us to be called home to live eternity with Jesus Christ. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.